This morning, I'd like us to turn in our Bibles in the junior church class. You are dismissed uh, to head down to your class. Uh, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55 this morning. In Isaiah chapter 55, um, there is a lot that speaks about, obviously, throughout the whole book of Isaiah, about messianic prophecies about Jesus Christ. But there are very important verses that when we begin to realize God communicating to us some very clear principles of what uh, uh, um, what we as believers should be doing, uh, you know, again, this isn't just things for the nation of Israel. There's a lot in there that pertains to the nation of Israel. But what we see here is we see something that very clearly we can have pertain to us. There is an application that we see. In Isaiah chapter 55 and in verse 6, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I want to thank you for the time that we have here this morning, that, Lord, we get to uh, just get into your word. We get to uh, receive the instruction and the seeds necessary for growth in our life, uh, the water, the food that is uh, necessary uh, for us to continue into your, in, in your will and to accomplish what you've asked us to do. And Lord, I just pray that this morning as we we worship you uh, by hearing what you have to say to us and and uh, following it, the Lord, we would uh, take these things and uh, hide them in our hearts, use them, Lord, to glorify you, to give you praise, to please you, to do your will, Lord, in, in such a way that there is a great testimony to those that are without. Thank you again, Lord, for what you've given to us in your word this morning, and I pray, Lord, we would just receive all of this. And these things I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So here in this passage, we see a very interesting concept. It's about seeking the Lord. Now, again, you know, a simple title for this message is seek the Lord. Because there is, as he's pointing out here, there will be a time when you can no longer seek him. There is coming a day when he won't be found. And we're going to find some verses that clearly point that out. But I want to focus on seeking the Lord. And we as believers, you know, we constantly need to remember and reaffirm this principle in our life about seeking him. Every single thing that we do, we should be seeking uh, God's answer. We should be seeking God's approval. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, not academia, not, 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 not education, not uh, uh, man or anything of that nature, but unto God. Our studies should be pleasing and be approved by him. 
So what we see here is we find this, this passage where there is, if you will, this call, this desire that we would seek God. We would seek him out in every area of our life. And, and, and we find the principle, as he mentions here, that when that happens, things change. Things change. If you have been Christian for probably longer than, than a minute, you understand there are things that need to change in your life after you've trusted Christ as your Savior. There are things you need to put off, as we talked about this morning. You need to mortify sin. You need to, to, to do away with those things. Because the idea and the concept is this is that we as believers would realize that, that, that as we seek God, there's going to be a change that occurs. It may be a quick change. It may be a slow change. But change occurs because he says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord. When, when an individual says, I'm going to seek God, there is a forsaking that goes on. You can't seek God and pursue sin at the same time. They're not on the same path. That's like trying to say you're trying to go to New York via Seattle. Driving. You're just not going to get there. I mean, you, you, I mean, yeah, you could go up and then you have to go over this direction. But, but if you say, well, I'm going to go to New York and you start driving north to Seattle, it's not the same destination. It's not going to take you to the same spot. We realize that that they're not on the same paths. Sin is a very troublesome path. It is a hard path. Yes, it does say that that, the straight and narrow is the way and the gate. And, you know, broad is the path to destruction. But I will say this. It's difficult to be in sin. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. We have to understand that concept. What we find in ease in Jesus Christ. And what we find here in this specific passage is we find that, that if a wicked person forsakes his way and an unrighteous man, his thoughts, meaning the unrighteous thoughts that he continues to think about, there is going to be something that happens. There is going to be a return to God. A return to God. Now, I like this because it's a return to God. That's what God initially intended. In the Garden of Eden, God initially intended that man would have a relationship with him. Every person, man, woman that has ever been born, God has purposed that they would have a relationship with him and has, you know, created them in such a way that they would But the problem is, as we go along, as we find over there in the book of Romans, we have sin, it slays us, it, it, you know, it, it, it deceives us. And the next thing you know is we are no longer having any association with God. That's a problem. That's an issue. But what we find here is we find that God says we can return to him. Now, the nation of Israel went through that whole process. 
They went through the process of repentance and then falling back into sin and repentance and falling back into sin and repentance and falling back into sin and so on and so forth. So there is a great pertinence to the nation of Israel in this regards. But for us as believers, we can see this. We can see that, that, that when we have, uh, you know, wickedness as our path and we have unrighteousness as our thoughts, there has to be a change. And the only way that those things can change is if we say, I want to seek God and I want to return to him. I want to make a change in my life. And we've talked about how to make change stick, if you will, because sometimes change doesn't stick. We talk about New Year's resolutions. Anybody here make a New Year's resolution? Show of hands, anybody? Sort of, kind of. How are we doing on that? <laughs> it's a struggle, isn't it? It's a battle. You want to make a change for the better. Well, I'll tell you, God has a plan about how to make those changes stick in your spiritual life. There's a way that he goes about doing it. And he doesn't want you to skip processes, doesn't want you to skip things. He wants you to focus on, hey, I need to change. And it comes down to this, are you willing to seek God? You can't make a change in your life for the better if you're not seeking God. We're like, well, yeah, sure I can. I can, I, I can eat better. I'm just going to say this. I'll leave it as it is. You guys can criticize me about it later. I don't care. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of the people that I know that were like runners, those individuals that get up at like, you know, four in the morning and go for a morning run. You know, I hear more of those type of people and I've had friends that have passed away from sudden heart attacks, strokes, heart failure, things like that. They ate right. They kept their body right. Why is that? Well, life and death is in the hand of the Lord. You can eat every single piece of greenery that's going to keep you alive and, you know, have the right type of fats and the right type of this and the right type of that. And, 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 and again, I'm not condoning that we just, you know, go on a binge of junk food and things of that nature, uh, cause that's not good for you in the, in the long run itself. But I'll tell you this. God clearly knows when our time is up. Now, granted, Hezekiah had an opportunity to extend that. But he made a big mistake during that extension. So be careful. Be careful. But I'll say this. Right now is the time and the opportunity to seek God. This immediate moment. This day is the opportunity to seek God. 
He says in this, and this is an amazing thing, when a person returns to the Lord, there is something that happens in that change. God extends that mercy to him, as we were talking about this morning in Sunday school, uh, the mercies of God that, that are, that are, if you will, new every morning, and those, those bountiful blessings that we receive from him, there's mercy that's extended to us because we do deserve the punishment of sin. We deserve it. Just like anybody that commits a crime deserves the, the, the sentence of what was happened, you know, or, or, or for what they did. Somebody drives under the influence, takes out a family. There's a, there should be an appropriate punishment for those things. But you know what is great is that God says in his mercy, I don't want to see these people go through that type of horrid, if you will, perishing, as he calls it. I want to see them repent, according to what Peter writes over there. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's mercy because he sent his son to die on the cross for us. To provide a way. And as it says here, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. It's gone. It's gone. You know, people make a big deal about presidential pardons, don't they? As people are getting ready to exit office, all of a sudden, here comes the presidential pardons. And then they sit there and they criticize all the presidential pardons. Oh, why did you do that? And why did you pardon them? Why did you do so on and so forth and things of that nature? You, you, you do realize that in the pardoning process for the United States of America, it doesn't mean all is forgiven. The pardoning process in the United States of America just says you get to escape the punishment. But you're still convicted of the crime. But when God abundantly pardons, as it says here, you know what? He takes away that condemnation. It's covered. It's blotted out, as it says in Scripture. It's under the blood. It's gone. He doesn't bring it up again. It doesn't stain you for the rest of your life. That's how abundantly God pardons people. It's better than any presidential pardon. But this is what happens when you seek God. There are changes. There are things about God that you get to experience, that you get to see his mighty hand working in, with mercy, with the pardoning, with all of these things where where, where, where people begin to change forsaking things that they once craved and loved, they're now gone. As we take a look at the, the, the other parts of the verse, he makes it clear that, that, that our thoughts are not the same thoughts that he has. And I want to point this out very clearly because here's the issue behind it. The issue behind it is this, is that we often don't think the same way. We don't think sometimes it's important to seek God. As believers, 
I guarantee you, each one of us have done something out of our own will since we've trusted Christ as our Savior, have we not? We're going to have a time of testimony. And at the end of it, we will all, you know, conclude, oh, wretched man that I am, you know. But I thank God for his mercy, for his grace, for his pardoning. That's not the kind of mindset that we often have is to pardon and to forgive as we talked about this morning. And and very clearly, you know, we talk about his ways and his thoughts being different than ours, and they very much are so. But I tell you this, he does give us a clue on to what he thinks about. The Bible says he thinks about you more times than you can count. As it says, he knows the number of hairs on your head, has them numbered. Some it's easier to number than others. But the fact is, is this, is that God knows you. God thinks about you. God thought about you on the cross, even before you were born. God did that for you. That's not the kind of thought process we have. We live in the moment. We live in the, if you will, the pleasure of the instant. And as I said, you know, sometimes we're even impatient with the instant. Instant noodles. Yeah, it takes three minutes. Come on, instant noodles. You know, I can heat my microwave burrito in an instant, right? No, it takes a minute, minute and a half, depending on the size of the burrito. And we get impatient with that. But we live in that kind of time frame. The instant. God is thinking about the future. Turn over to Psalms chapter 73. Psalm chapter 73. In Psalm 73, the psalmist ends the chapter by saying this in Psalm 73, 28. <clears throat> he makes this declaration much like Isaiah did here. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all thy works. In order to be that witness and testimony, there has to be a trust in the Lord. And that trust in the Lord comes when he has drawn near to God. He has sought him out. He wants to know where he can be found. And the psalmist is actively seeking him and said, this is a good thing. It is a good thing to seek the Lord. We're commanded to seek the Lord, as we saw over in Isaiah, and here he's saying it's a good thing to seek the Lord. It's not the wrong thing. People sometimes struggle between doing what is right and what is wrong. I'll tell you this, the very first thing you need to ask yourself in that question, is this right, is this wrong, is what does God think about it? Is this going to please him? Is this going to be glory or shame? What does God think about the situation? You know what you're doing? You're seeking God. You're drawing nigh to him. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. The wrong thing is to not. The thing that is evil and, if you will, bad for you 
is to shirk away from God and not seek his will and not seek his ways and not seek for him in his word and not desire to receive something from him. That's the wrong thing. That's the bad thing. Turn over to Isaiah chapter, or excuse me, not Isaiah, but Psalm chapter 34. Psalm chapter 34 now. In Psalm chapter 34 and in verse 18, here's how we begin to seek the Lord. It says in verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Nobody likes to have their heart broken. And there's many people, uh, I guarantee you, in this, uh, uh, in this congregation that we've had our hearts broken. Whether it's a loss of a loved one or a relationship that soured or whatever it may be. But I will tell you this, you know what? When we have a broken heart, meaning that we're broken because we realize that relationship with God is fractured, is gone, God will draw an eye to you. God is near to you when that happens and occur. When we're contrite, when we're repentant, as it, you know, to use a synonym there, uh, very clearly when we're humble and we're saying, I know, Lord, I, I need you. And this is what that contriteness of spirit is about. He says, that's when God is close to us. God's not close to us when we are proud. As a matter of fact, it says God resists the proud. Resists the proud. That, 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 that's a scary thing to think about. We start rising up with pride. We think we're all, you know, all, all, all that. And, and you know what? God's resisting us. That may be a reason why sometimes prayer doesn't get through. Because we've got too much pride in our life. We've got too much pride in our life. He says, many are the, as we continue on here in this passage, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of all of them. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust him in him shall be desolate. He makes it very clear here, and if you will, in some messianic mentions in this passage, uh, but he makes it very clear, the Lord will take care of his servants. The Lord will take care of his own. And we want to be on the Lord's side. We don't want to be on the other side. Everybody's talking about, for a while there, they were talking about being on the wrong side of history. I don't even know what that means. Well, wrong side of history? What are you talking about? I didn't know history had a side. But apparently, I guess it does. Depending on whether you're an R or a D. Uh, conservative or liberal, whatever it is. I'll tell you this, you know what? I, 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 I could care less about what side of history I'm on. I want to know if I'm on the Lord's side. Because if I'm not on God's side, then I'm on my own side and then I'm done for. I'm done for. 
I need to seek the Lord. I need to seek him. Turn over to Psalm 145. Psalm 145, again, you know, as we see here, the psalmists are declaring very clearly the good things about drawing nearer to God. Isaiah says, seek the Lord while he may be found. All of these things are good. They're, they're good for change. They're good for, uh, uh, if you will, foundation. They're good for remembering what God has done for us. And, and again, security in the, the believer. And, and I'll, I will tell you this. If anybody's ever struggled with eternal security, part of the problem is this, is that there's a lack of trust in God. And there's also, and this is coming from somebody that struggled with eternal security, there's a lack of trust in God. And there's also, if you will, a lack of drawing near to God. I, 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 let me just clarify this before I say it. Salvation isn't a feeling, Okay. Praise God, it's not a feeling. Because feelings change. Feelings come and go. We actually sing about that in basic. There's a nice little song that we have to talk about feelings coming and going and stuff like that. But God doesn't. Praise the Lord for that. Praise God, he's faithful and true. Praise God, and there's nothing that's going to separate us from the love of Christ. But I'll tell you this, the times that I struggled with eternal security, I wasn't seeking God. I wasn't seeking his face with it. That was the problem. Psalm chapter 145, take a look here at verse 18. He says this, uh, the Lord is nigh unto all that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. That goes hand in hand with what we see over in Romans chapter 10, right? Where it talks about whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Well, what are they being saved from? We're being saved from the, if you will, the condemnation of our own sin that is sending us to a devil's hell. God makes it clear he doesn't want us to go there. He didn't even make hell for us. He made it for the devil and his angels. We're not supposed to be there. We're not supposed to be there. But the Bible says, just call. And call out a truth. I've heard people say, well, you know, I, 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 I trusted Christ as my Savior just because, you know, I, I, I want some insurance in my life for the, you know, for, for eternity. Jesus Christ isn't in insurance. He's not an insurance salesman. But I will tell you this, he will give you assurance if you come to him in truth. You know what that truth is? I need a savior. Because without him, I will go to a hell. And I don't want to go. The Bible says, seek him. The Bible says that, 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 that right here, he is nigh to them that call upon him. You know why, believer, I'll tell you this, that is why prayer is so important. How many times a day do you call him? You ever have one of those friends that, you know, just over the course of time, you just kind of grew apart. You stopped calling each other, kind of stopped texting each other. 
And then every now and then you'd be like, you know, you kind of get together and like, oh, yeah, yeah we got to get together. Gotta, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, it never happens. That's not the way the relationship with the Lord should ever be. Every single day we should call upon him. You got a decision to make it work? Call on the Lord. Nehemiah did. Right in the middle of the king saying, what's your problem, dude? What did he do? He called on the Lord. The Nehemiah prayer. The Peter prayer. Lord, save me. (laughs) That should be a frequent one with us, probably. (laughs) We get into our, look, we get into trouble, don't we? Or trouble finds us. We need, we need to be calling on the Lord. The closer you are in your prayer life to God, the closer you're going to be to God. The more you call on him, the more you will know he is there. That's just a simple fact that we see here. He says, call upon him in truth. Look, you know, God knows you're lying. God knows you're lying. Some people, you know, and I use this as a, as one of those extreme examples, but again, you know, we can kind of personalize it and realize you can insert anything in there. But, 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 but there is the guy that goes up to the 7-Eleven counter and says, uh, you know, I want to put $20 down on, uh, that, that Powerball that's almost a half, uh, you know, half a billion dollars or a billion dollars, whatever they get up to nowadays, which is ridiculous. And as he, as he's picking his numbers, he's saying, Lord, please guide and direct me in picking these numbers. Cause Lord, you know, I'll give you half. God doesn't need your half. He never has and he never will. Well, I'll give it to missionaries. You don't think he takes care of missionaries? We'll give it to the church. God has always taken care of this church financially. Now, I constantly hear about churches that are closing their doors because of finances. They can't pay the bills. Lord's always blessed us. Praise God for it. Praise God for it. That's all the work of the Lord. But God knows exactly what that person's saying. I'll give half. No, you won't. You won't give it begrudgingly. Or I mean, you will give it begrudgingly. Let me rephrase that. You won't give it cheerfully. Could you imagine having that? You've got... You've got a hundred million dollars in your bank account and you write a check for fifty million dollars to a church that you know is probably going to spend it on a pizza party for for the teens. <laughs> and all the teenagers are like, Amen. <laughs> you know, let's uh, be serious about this, right? What's gonna happen? Somebody's gonna sit there and go, oh. I just don't know if they're going to spend it right. I don't know, Lord. 
Maybe, 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 maybe if I do, no. Look, you play the lottery and you win the lottery, give it all to him. Don't keep one cent of it. You want to know why? Take a look at the statistics if you don't believe me about people that win the lotto. They're bankrupt, destitute, and depressed. That's disturbing. Turn, if you will, over to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 15, and I want to point this out. The nation of Israel was given, they were given, uh, if you will, a sign. Nation of Israel's got to use signs. Uh, everything that they do, you know, and scripture even points us out that, uh, the nation of Israel, they need signs. That's why you've got healings. That's why you've got tongues. That's why those things exist. It's signs for, for, for an unbelieving Jew to, to believe. Uh, you know, the, the, you go over there and the Jews are asking Jesus Christ, show us a sign, show us a sign. How many miracles does he have to do in order to say, you know, well, that one wasn't good enough. Do another one. <laughs> Okay, you took a guy that was blind from birth and you made him see, I don't know, that's not good enough. Let's see another sign. Oh, you made a lame man walk. Mm, I don't know about that. You healed a guy with a withered hand. You cast out demons. You raised people from the dead. I don't know. I just need one more sign. Good grief. Talk about unbelief. That's why he said a heathen nation seeks after a sign. But what we find here is he, he, he gives a sign to the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel was supposed to sew blue borders on their garments. That's why you see blue border on the Israeli flag, by the way. They were supposed to sew blue on their borders, so every time they would walk around and they would see another person, they'd see that blue, and it wouldn't be to signify him as a Jew, but it would be to remind him of something. Numbers chapter 15, and in verse 39 here, as we take a look at this, back up to verse 37 for this context, and he says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak ye unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put on the fringe of their borders a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which you used to go a whoring. That ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. It was a reminder. It was a reminder. We need reminders. We got reminders in our phones. Now we've got smartwatches that give us reminders. Why? Because we're forgetful people. I mean, let's be honest. We'd forget our own name if we didn't have to use it constantly. (laughs) The other day I was trying to remember the name of somebody and, and I still can't remember their name. I'm like, you know, I go to the file cabinet and it's empty. Like, who took the file? Where'd it go? I'm like, you know, the janitor, he's being a little too thorough up there. 
you know, trying to remember somebody's name, trying to, I mean, we need to be reminded of things. That's why I say it is good to write, have, have scripture written on your walls in your home. But I will say this, the nation of Israel needed to be reminded to not seek their own. And we as believers need a reminder to not seek our own. To seek our own self. To seek our own desires. To fulfill, the, if you will, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. The pride of life, as John talks about. All those things, we need reminders of those. And every time I see these verses that talk about drawing nigh unto God, God being nigh unto us, all of these things, this verse specifically on Isaiah, seek ye the Lord while he may be found, is a reminder that, hey, I need to not seek my own fulfillment of things. I need to not seek my own pride, my own elevation, my own status, my own position I need not to seek what my heart desires in a lustful manner to fulfill the desires of the flesh. I need to seek what God wants. The nation of Israel had to have that. At what point in time, and I just often wonder this, at what point in time did that ribbon of blue not mean what it should anymore? Some fashion designer goes, why do we have this ribbon of blue on here? I don't know. I guarantee you, you ask half the people in the nation of Israel why there's a blue band on the top and the bottom of that. They couldn't give you an answer. They couldn't give you an answer. The the Hasidics will. The ultra-Orthodox ultra will. They'll tell you exactly why that's up there. It's to remind them. We need reminders. And, and look, we don't need a ribbon of blue sewed on our, our clothes to do that. What we need to do is we just need to remember to pick up this book and read it. We need to remember to, to, to get into the Word of God and have it, have it, if you will, fill us. We need to get into the Word of God and, and make sure that it is applied in our lives, that we're hiding it in our heart, that we're using it to please God. And as we look at the Word of God and look at the words on the pages, we're seeking God and we're seeking God to answer us and give us these things. Look, He's not going to come down to you on audible voice and have a conversation with you. Why? Because He gave you it all in a book. Why did he talk to them in the Old Testament? Because they didn't have a book. Why did he talk to Job? Because he didn't have a book. Nothing was written by the time Job was around, or when Job was around. Nothing was written when Abraham was around, or Jacob, or Isaac, for that matter, or Joseph. Some stuff started getting written down, you know, when Elihu penned Job. And then you've got Moses writing uh, writing out Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then some stuff started getting written down. And today, what do we have? We have the perfect, complete, inerrant Word of God preserved for us right here. You want to seek God? You'll find Him in these pages. You won't find Him in a bar. You won't find Him in humanism. You won't find them in education. 
A lot of times, depending on the church, you won't find them there either. (laughs) I hate to say it. You won't find them in religion. You'll find them in the word that he gave to us, that he uses to speak to us, and uses his Holy Spirit to teach us. That's where you'll find God. I want to point out a couple of things here very clearly. Uh, um, you know, if you will, go over to, to, to the book of uh, Luke. And I want to make mention of this very quickly. And not quickly as that I'm running roughshod over it or I'm trying to fit a point in at the very last. But I, I, I want to run over it because it, it, it quickly because it's an important principle. I want to get to it quickly. Because that verse over there in Isaiah chapter 55 has a very, very serious caveat to it. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. You know what that means? There's coming a time where he won't be. Luke chapter 13 and in verse 24, he says, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut the door, and you begin to stand without, knock on the door, saying, Lord, Lord, uh, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then you shall begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thine presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. He's talking about people that have rejected Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 28, There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does that describe? Hell and the lake of fire. When you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in you, the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. God makes it pretty clear. There's going to be a time that you cannot find him. And I will tell you this. You cannot seek the Lord when you're dead. And I'm not saying that to be flippant, but I'm saying you're not going to be able to. You're not going to find him. I will tell you this. When people wake up and they lift up their eyes in torment of flame in hell like the rich man did, they will not be able to seek the Lord. It's done. They have made their choice. People run around with this false doctrine that is being proclaimed out there that God God is such a loving God that he that he's going to forgive everyone in hell and uh, and uh, even those that have rejected him, that he's going to forgive and, and, if you will, save and redeem Lucifer himself. That's not what the book says. That's not what it says in Revelation. It says in Revelation that there is a lake of fire, and if your name isn't written down in the Lamb's book of life, 
that's where you go. That is not the time to try to seek God. It's too late. This is a limited time offer. You know, you get those coupons, they're only good for a certain period of time. You get those offers, somebody comes over and offers to do a roof on your house. I've had this happen recently. You know, they're like, oh, this this price is only going to be good for like, you know, three weeks or whatever. Like, okay. Limited time. We accept that, don't we? We should accept the fact that God says there's going to be a time where we can't be found, or he can't be found. And I'll tell you, now is the time to do it. Now is the time to seek the Lord. Now is the day of salvation. Now is when you need to look at your life and say, I have lived my life and I have sinned against a holy and righteous God. I have gone against his commandments and I know that that has condemned me to a sinner's hell. God doesn't want me to go there. He gave himself on that cross to die for my sins and that I may have eternal life. He rose again, conquering sin and conquering death, that I would have that eternal life with him. Now's the time to seek that. Not tomorrow. Not even two hours from now. Because we're not guaranteed anything. A meteor could come down and take us all out. And I will say this, you know, that that happens, praise God. Why? Because I've got a home in heaven with him. The only reason it would terrify you is because you don't. Seek the Lord while he may be found. I want you to turn to one last passage, turn to the book of Acts. We'll close with this. Acts chapter 17. I read through the book of Acts and I get, I, I kind of get excited when I get around Acts chapter 17 because there's this verse that, 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 that I, I just, this is a good verse. This is one of those verses that I, I love. You know, I say there's a lot that I love. I, I, there, yeah, there is. I love this book. Okay. Cause it's God's love letter to me. Okay. It's the greatest love letter that's ever been written. You're not going to find one better than this. But here in Acts chapter 16 and verse 27, it says that they should seek the Lord. If haply, they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. You realize God is right there. He is right there. Just like the prodigal's father. Ready to receive. Ready to forgive. Ready to abundantly pardon. Ready to just demonstrate mercy upon mercy upon mercy. And I will tell you this. If you're here today and you have not trusted Christ as your Savior... 
there will be a time when that opportunity is gone. Do not wait. Believer, there is time to change. And it's not three months from now. It's not three years from now. It's now to say, God, I need your mercy. I need your help. I need to make a change in my life. And if you seek him and forsake those things, there will be a change in you. There will be a change in your thought process. There will be a change in who you are. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Because believer, there will be coming a day when you don't have that opportunity anymore. And you stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And God says, what did you do with the life I gave you? What did you do with that talent? Notice he gave those servants a talent. You only get one life. Will you live it for the Lord? Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for what you've given to us in your word. And I thank you again for, while a very serious subject matter, Lord, a very weighty one and a heavy one this morning, a very important one for us to consider and think about. That, Lord, as we worship you, we realize how great your mercy truly is, how great abundance of pardon we've received by you because of what you've done on the cross. And, Lord, I just pray as believers we would understand that and that, Lord, we would not use our life to please ourselves, to seek after our own, but, Lord, we would use it to seek after you, to seek after your will, to seek after your desires, to seek after pleasing you. I pray, Lord, that if there's somebody here that has not trusted you as their Savior, that, Lord, you would work in their hearts, that they would begin to think on that and begin to ask the question, am I truly on the road to heaven? Do I have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord? And, Lord, if they're here here today and they haven't, Lord, I pray you would just give them that answer that, Lord, they would take this time and opportunity to come and trust you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I do want to just give this moment of invitation. If you have not trusted Christ, I just want you to come. Somebody will show you from a Bible what it means to trust Christ as your Savior. It's one of the most important things you can do in your life right now. There is nothing else that matters. Salvation is the most important decision that you can ever make. Believer, if you're here and you know you've got to make some changes, take this time and opportunity to pray and seek Him. Again, Lord, I just thank you for all you've done for us. I pray you just continue to bless as we sing this hymn of invitation. I ask and pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.